back to my burns. Welcome to the Burn Lecture Podcast, number one. So I know it's a burn, but what do I do about it? Burns are a really specialized population in the fact that their physiology is very different and we don't see them that often in the ER, but there's enough of them that I think you definitely need to know what to do when these come into your ER. And in this lecture series, we're gonna cover a few different things, uh, everything from a basic burn to your critically ill burn patients and a little bit about critical care for the burn patient. Within this lecture series, we're gonna cover some of the burn literature. It is very sparse. If you think about every single study that's done, it excludes burn patients. So there are some studies that involve burn patients, but they're few and far between and they're generally small. So we have to generalize from these small numbers of burn patients, these guidelines. So we're gonna start with a case. Let's start with Fred. He's a 40-year-old male and your triage nurse comes back and says he has extensive burns to the arm. She seems a little bit nervous, which makes you a little bit concerned, of course, because she's one of your, your good nurses. And things that go through your mind, do you transfer him immediately? Is this something I can take care of in my ER? I'm not a burn center. Or can he go home and follow up? So what's the next step in Fred's case? The history, of course. A lot of times we in emergency medicine get a limited history and from what the patient tells us generally can get the rest of the information we need from labs or something else. But in burns, the history is everything. Questions that are important. When did the burn happen? A new burn versus an old burn is very different for the wound care, risks of cellulitis, and the stage of healing that it's in. So you definitely want to know when did this burn happen. You also want to know how did this happen? What substance burned? Was this a contact burn? Was this a flame burn? Do you need to be concerned? Is a chemical involved? And what was the contact time? Was this something that happened and then immediately the burn got extinguished? Was the person found down in their house? That kind of thing. As well as did it occur inside or outside? And this will come in in the inhalation injury lecture, but that is everything as far as inhalation injury. Next, you want to ask, did they get any pre-hospital treatment, especially if they're coming in by EMS or has anybody else looked at this burn? And lastly, does the patient have comorbidities? The big ones are anybody that's immunocompromised, advanced age, diabetes, or anybody that may have poor circulation to that, especially extremity burns. After you get a good history from your patient, the next thing is a physical exam. In burns and all wound care, a picture is worth a thousand words. New burn communication is all through pictures. It's amazing what EMR can do. We can communicate to burn surgeons. They can look at pictures, especially if you want just a quick consultation. We can track the healing and progress or even worsening of a burn. And then outpatient providers or ED providers, if they follow up with this burn, are able to evaluate uh, whether or not, you know, the burn needs repair, whether or not they need follow-up, whether the burn's getting infected. So if you have the ability to take pictures and put it in your EMR, Definitely do that. 
The major question for all burns is, will the burn heal on its own or is it going to need grafting? So with our patient, he's a 40-year-old gentleman. He says he has no medical problems. Fred was cooking with oil. He splashed oil on his right hand and arm. He was having some beers while he was cooking, so he didn't present right away. The burn happened yesterday, but then he woke up this morning and was having significant pain, so he came to see you. He looks like he has blistering of the skin all the way up the right arm and the back of his right hand, but it's not circumferential, and some of the areas are open and weeping. So what's your next step? You've gotten a good history. You've evaluated the burn. You took a picture if you're able to. The next is you got to clean it up. And people think that burn care is fancy and you need specialized equipment to clean up these burns. For most of them, if they're small, localized burns, this is something that you can do yourself. My recipe for cleaning up burns is first pain control and give them a weight-based dose of an opiate. Usually we use morphine or really anything uh, that's your institutional standard. And don't forget using multimodal pain control. So if you can add on some Tornadol, Tylenol, even some gabapentin as the burn heals to try to get them at a comfortable place so you can give this burn a good scrub. If the patient has a significant amount of anxiety, we do use a fair amount of ketamine and Presidex or dexmedetomidine to help as an anxiolytic to keep the patient calm in anticipation of their burn care. So those are all options, and you really want to make sure that your patient is comfortable in order to get a good clean and the best wound care possible for this burn. And then my burn cleaning kit involves three items. Number one, a suture removal kit. Forceps and the scissors in this can be very helpful trimming the edges of the burn skin. Acrylix or any other gauze, I like it to stay rolled and I use this as my scrubber. And number three, a cleaning solution. We use Hibiclens a lot, even soapy water is fine to give this burn a really good scrub and check the edges. Once your pain's controlled, you get your kit and you really want to clean off all that dead skin cut those edges, and get an idea of how deep this burn is. The question I always get here is to pop or not to pop. This pertains to blisters. So if you have blisters, some of the literature says the inflammatory mediators in these blisters impair your healing. Some of the literature says that it helps with healing. So there is no right answer. This is going to be institution dependent. But most people say if it's a clear blister, it's okay to pop. And if it's a hemorrhagic blister, to leave it alone. But again, this will vary where you are. You do need to make sure you get all these things cleaned up, though, to some level so that you can appropriately evaluate the depth. And when we evaluate the depth of burns, Think about the skin, and it may be helpful to pull up a skin diagram, but you have that epidermis. You have those layers of regenerating skin cells, and on the very top layer, you have dead skin cells. Those are what, if damaged, are a superficial burn. Just below that is the dermis, and that contains all of the important things that you need to regenerate skin. 
from the hair follicles, the fibroblasts, all of your collagen and your elastin are in this layer. And the dermis has been split kind of into two layers of burn, either superficial partial thickness where you just get that top layer of dermis, but likely the cells that needed to regenerate skin are still intact. And then a deep partial thickness burn or the old third degree type burns, uh, which probably won't regenerate on their own because you've damaged the cells that regenerate skin. And then lastly, you have all the blood vessels and fatty tissue. Those are really deep burns, and those are definitely not going to heal on their own. So back to Fred. You've cleaned up his burn. You've controlled his pain. And now we're going to really evaluate the depth of his burn and decide, is this something that we can handle and, and Fred can handle on his own going home? Or is this burn so big that we need a burn surgeon right away to evaluate it. And when you look at burns, anything that's superficial, the burns that just look like sunburns, that doesn't count in a burn surface area. The burns that do count are anything that's deeper than that. So any skin layers where you're getting peeling skin, blistering skin, those are all deeper burns that do count in your burn total body surface area. And there's a few different ways we chart the area. We're going to go over three here. One is a Len Browder chart. This is the official chart of the University of Colorado Burn Unit. And the chart that is used most by the ABA as far as tracking burn size for research purposes, as well as epidemiologic data. It is a nice because it's a graphic description. It allows you to mark off with a pen where the burn is affecting and then add up the totals. The next one is the rule of nines, and that basically divides all of the body parts into nines. So you get four and a half for each of the front of the arms, four and a half for the front, and then four and a half for the back of the head, 18 for the torso, nine each for the front and the back of the legs, and then 1% for the genitalia. And that's a good estimation of burn size as well. The last is the best, I think, for spot evaluating a TBSA of a burn, and that's the palm rule. So you take the patient's hand, not your hand, the patient's hand, and each palmer area counts as 1%. So imagine you're just laying their palm on the area of the burn, and you total up those 1% increments, and you get the TBSA. Again, we are not adding in superficial burns. If you get a burn that's greater than 20%, these are considered major burns. They have very significant hemodynamic and metabolic effects and usually need to go to a burn center. This is just an estimate. If you have patients who are older, patients with substance abuse or comorbidities, smaller burns may make a bigger insult in these patients. So you need to consider potential transfer to a burn center for patients that you're concerned about. The other thing that you need to think about as an ER doctor, is this somebody that's going to be able to really clean and take care of this burn? Whether it be for pain control reasons, because the burn's in a location that they can't reach, or it's a hand burn and they're right-handed, you need to think about, can this person safely care for their burn at home, or do they have help? And if the answer is no, you may need to consider transferring a smaller burn. Going back to our case and Fred, 
His burn after I used the Palmer rule was 2.5%, not involving the palm of his own hand, not circumferential, and he was able to move his elbow, arm, and hand. So he was appropriate to follow up as an outpatient at the local burn center. We'll cover in a later lecture what you're going to put on Fred's burn. But I want to talk a little bit about what makes a burn center. Is it the fact that there's some burn patients there? Yes. No, there's a lot more that goes into it. There are specialized burn surgeons that have extra training on wound care and the management of burns. There's also specialized nursing care, especially wound care nurses that really make the burn center a specialized place to care for these patients. They also have timely OR access, post-burn care resources such as mental health, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. They have long-term follow-up. They produce educational materials and also actively participate in research. Which burns do you need to transfer? Anything that's a partial thickness burn greater than 10% of the total body surface area, burns that involve sensitive areas, face, hands, feet, genitalia, perineum, or cross major joints, especially circumferential burns, third-degree burns to any age group, electrical burns including lightning injury, chemical burns, anybody with inhalation injury, and then the other reasons we talked about earlier, somebody that just can't handle taking care of their burns at home. So we've covered Fred and a simple burn, reviewing the steps. You're going to get a great history. You're going to perform a physical exam, including pictures if you're able. You're going to clean that burn with my recommended burn kit of a suture removal kit, Hibiclense, and a Curlex. You're going to reevaluate that burn after it's cleaned for the depth and evaluate the total body surface area, not including superficial burns. After that, you'll be able to decide if your burn is appropriate for outpatient care or if your burn needs to be transferred. In the next lecture, we'll cover what do you put on all these burns for wound care.